Welcome back, everyone, to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza. And today's show is a short show, and we are going to talk about love. And that is Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling's The Style of My Love. That is the main focus of this show. Uh, and I wanted to talk about the show mainly because coming off Wrestle Princess at Tokyo Dome City, I, I I guess I'm still a bit hyped about Tokyo Joshi. Uh, just I want to try to follow it closer. And this was arguably the bigger shows that they had. They've had uh, some like a couple of like more TV based shows, but this was a big show, and it was originally going to be main evented by a match that was going to be Hyper Misao versus Super Sasabango Machine. And that was something that I was just really, really looking forward to. I figured it was, it was going to be a lot of shenanigans. As we will go into the show, we'll realize that things went slightly different. But nonetheless, I thought this really deserved uh, to to get you know to to check it out. And so let's let's get to it. This was a five match uh, show, but again, as we're going to go into the the main event of the show it's understandable why they only had five matches booked but anyway this is tokyo joshi pro wrestling's style of my love it took place on november the 20th uh this was at shinjuku face in tokyo japan the opening match was the newly crowned tag team champions the bakuretsu sisters tenma nodoka and aino juki defeating in a three-on-two handicap match the team of Haruna Neko, Moka Miyamoto, and Raku. Uh, this wasn't that. I mean, it's like this is the champions versus three of the rookies or younger talent that they have in the promotion. So obviously, they just ran over them. Uh, they did some initial like comedy, I guess we can call it, with Raku's like thing about sleeping, but it was like really. It was like one minute, and then they actually got into the match. I I didn't give it that big of a rating. I think I went like with a two because it, was, it honestly wasn't that good. Or or yeah, like I mean, it's the opener. Um, but I I figured they were gonna start the Bakuretsu sisters with a uh, with some wins. You know, like they they are newly crowned champions, so they have to build them up a little bit more. Uh, as they find whoever is going to chase them. The second match was an eight women tag team match. It was the team of Hikari Noah, Mahiro Kiryu, Pom Harayuku, and Yuki Kamifuku defeating Mirai Mayomi, Miu Watanabe, Miski, and now Kakuta. And this was a mix of good things and bad things. Well, not bad things, but like uh, it, it had the hints of like really cool stuff good wrestling and then hints of like slightly like rookie-ish wrestling not bad but just like not there yet uh i think that the things that like I, that really really stood out for me uh first was 
Uh, Mayumi's performance, her wrestling really, really looked nice here. Uh, when you watch indie wrestling, I guess, sometimes you tend to see uh, some wrestlers that look really jumpy. Sometimes you see guys that look really uh, choreographed. And and here, Naomi uh, looked really like she knew what she was doing. She had her timing perfectly. She wasn't either jumpy or, or slow. Uh, it just like looked really good. And her style is really different from the rest of the women in this promotion. Because for the main part, she is going for like a bit submission style, but also like submission slash powerhouse. And so she looks really different and, and she really, really looked good in this match. And she was the one that took the fall uh, for her team. But nonetheless, I thought she looked like her wrestling looked really good. And I do think that this losing streak that she has kind of going on for a little bit, it's not a streak, but like she has been losing some matches. I think it's all part of her development as a as a yeah as a character as a wrestler where she's trying to become and make a like have a different have people see her differently and I think losing some matches uh, adds some drama into that so I I wouldn't like think it was a anything bad and and I mean we have to consider that she is teaming up with. Miyu Watanabe, a former tag champion, Mizuki, a former tag champion who just challenged for the big title, and now Kakuta, who I, I wouldn't say now Kakuta is like really, really high in the totem pole, but she is uh, she's one of those fan favorites in the like the mid card, so I, I understand it. And the other thing that I that I saw in this match that caught my attention. And I don't know if it's actually going to go anywhere, but I saw a lot of Kamifuku versus Mizuki, which I wouldn't be surprised if Mizuki chases the international title. I think that would help Kamifuku a lot if she has to share the ring with someone like Mizuki, who I would think would bring the better out of Kamifuku. And at the same time, it gives Mizuki uh, a good program to follow up uh, the challenge to to Yuka Sakasaki, I think going for the international would keep her busy for a while, and I think it would help both of them. Um, at the same time, I mean, you still have Hikari Noah like in the chase, and and I do believe that Kamifuku has other people like chasing her in like other shows that are coming up. So we'll see where it goes. I just think that uh, Mizuki versus Kamifuku would be a really, really good program to consider. But I mean, that was about it. Like when it, when I was like saying that there were some things that look rookie-ish. I'm talking about uh, Pom Harajuku, for instance, uh, who I thought her her wrestling looked kind of jumpy <laughs> as I was comparing it with Mayumi. But uh, I mean, it was it was okay nonetheless. You know, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't. It wasn't like rookie rookie. It was just like, uh, you know, you still have to find your, yourself and, and your timing and all that stuff. It's it's okay. Uh, it's it's not bad. Next up, we had uh, Sina Shiori and Susume versus Saki Sama, 
who is Saki Akai's alter ego, the 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 aristocrat, I guess, the French aristocrat. And she was going to reveal a mystery tech partner. Um, obviously, they, they usually promote this as X. And X, in this case, was none other than May Suruga from Chocopro. She is now going as May Saint-Michel. Or Michel or Michael, I don't know. I think it's Michel. Uh, Saint-Michel. And she is... The, the story here is that Sakisami, Sakisama was... Um, walking in the woods i guess like in her in her property i mean i can't imagine that she doesn't own a forest and may started following her in the woods and so she adopted her and she asked martha who is like one of saki sama's servants to to train may as a as a servant i guess i I guess I, I, she's a maid, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she's dressed as a maid, but I, I'm not exactly sure what her position was. But I, like, she was trained by Martha. Uh, Martha has always been a Sakisama's like, uh, servant. And so this, I thought this was fantastic. Um, you couldn't really ask for a better May uh, introduction or debut because now she she's added into a legit team with Sakisama and Sakisama may not be like an ace or a title contender in the promotion right now uh, but where like Sakisama is someone who always has um, eyes like people tend to pay attention to what Sakisama does she's one of the promotion's favorites and adding May there even as a as a subject to Sakisama is a, is a great frame for her because she is not going to be added into the openers or into the five on five uh, scramble tag matches or anything like that. Like May is now like a legit uh, participant of a stable. She's a member of a stable and she's going to be uh, showcased. And, and this match was pretty much that like a showcase of, of both her offense and on her, on her selling, I guess. Um, because she took most of the match. Uh, like Sakisama did participate, but that but May was definitely in the match for the most time. And we saw like many, many things uh, from her. We already saw like a couple of double team moves with Sakisama, which means that like they're already starting to create something here. Uh, we saw May, like May's prop right now is uh, like a silver platter uh, or, or like a tray. And we already saw May do a couple of moves that included that tray. So we are seeing May create a character already that has moves, that has, she already has a catchphrase, which I think it's a c'est pas bon. Uh, in French, and that's what that's something she says when she's referring to her opponents, like "Ooh, c'est pas bon," and and so like we are seeing a nice development for May. I like I've seen May in in Choco Pro like for two years now, or like a year and a half, and 
she's always been the bubbly baby face and now she is the heel but i can still see a lot of like the bubbly baby face may in this wrestling but you can also see like how her performance has changed to be a heel and she's fantastic like her mannerisms are on spot she is totally into the character of being may sign michelle and i and I, I just thought it was great the the match itself um like i said it was just like a showcase for may uh and, and like i said like a couple of double teams um nothing really special other than just seeing may uh at the end she won with a single leg grab what i I do think the movie is going to be called uh, Saint Michel, so I'm just excited to see where this is gonna go. I wouldn't be surprised if if Saki Sama and May take the titles from the Bakureta sisters because I can't imagine the Bakureta sisters are gonna keep the titles for a long time, considering uh, Watanabe and Rika had held them for a year. I could totally see the Bakureta sisters losing the titles, maybe not soon but soon-ish. So maybe we'll see Sakisama and, and May take those titles. And I think uh, that would be great for the promotion for May and for Saki, like just to be in that position. Uh, but yeah, that was a, a good match. I gave it a three, a, about three stars uh, because I mean, wrestling wise, it's nothing like anything from out of this world, but I thought it was a great introduction for to May. Next up, we had a five-way elimination match. This was Choko Nakajima, Miyu Yamashita, Yuka Sakasaki, Rika Tatsumi, and Maki Ito. And so this is a just five of the arguably top women in the promotion. You have the champion, Yuka Sakasaki. You have the ace, Miyu Yamashita. You have a former champion, uh, the littlest kaiju, Choko Nakajima, you have the cutest uh, wrestler in the world, Maki Ito, who, I mean, is just fantastic. And we have Rika Tatsumi, who you can make an argument that she doesn't really belong at the echelon of the other four, but she is just coming off losing the titles, the tag titles. Uh, so she has her, her credentials for sure. And this... So th this actually went pretty quick considering the that it was an elimination match and that it was five people. Um, it it To a certain point, it kind of felt like a Survivor Series match where as soon as the match starts, someone looks really, really good and then gets eliminated and then someone else looks really, really good and then gets eliminated. It's like a process. It's like, like a no-brainer. No uh, and I kind of was surprised that they did this for this match. I thought they could have done like so much more just out of the combinations. But I can also understand that they you probably don't want to spoil a lot of the combinations. And and for the most part, a lot of the match was not just like one-on-one -on -one pair ups. It was actually like at first it was straight up Maki to fighting the four of them and like at one point she gave a quadruple DDT, which may be a a record uh because she was the first one eliminated. Uh, and then the next one eliminated was uh, Yamashita, who she straight up just kicked everyone's ass. But then at the end, Sakasaki and Nakajima like team up 
and eliminated with the Marumuku Mines. And again, um, she looked great and then got eliminated. So it was it was like that. Then that then the third one was actually Yuka Sakasaki. She was eliminated over the top rope, which I guess is the best way to eliminate her, uh, so that she doesn't have to get pinned or submitted by anyone. And while this was a combination of Choko and and Tatsumi to eliminate Sakasaki, it was Rika Tatsumi who gave the final kick. So I think it's fair to give her the elimination. And then at the end, like uh, Rika Tatsumi just uh, pinned Choko Nakajima really quickly. It didn't last much longer than that. And I went with three and, and a quarter, or yeah, three and a quarter. Um, I I I was originally put off by how Ito and Yamashita got eliminated, and especially like so early on. But once Sakasaki was eliminated, I completely understood the idea and the story that they were trying to tell with Rika Tatsumi, and I was totally on board. Um, after the match, Rika called out. Yuka Sakasaki and say like hey like I know you and Yamashita and Shoko are former champions and Ito is like internationally famous but I was just thrown into this match and I just defeated you all and I won a title match uh, for the Princess of Princes and Yuka Sakasaki accepted she even said like you know what like the, the best place for this match would be our January 4th show which usually takes place at Karagon Hall and just like that, you, you, you've elevated Rika Tatsumi into a main event spot. She will be challenging Yuka at a really... It's not like a big, big show in the sense of uh, Wrestle Princess, but it is a, a big show. It's the first show of the year that Tokyo Joshi will do. And obviously, like last year, or, or I guess this year, 2020, they had a big January 4th show because it is the show right before Wrestle Kingdom and everyone's already hanging out around the Tokyo Dome. So th this this is a big chance for Rika Tatsumi to have just like a great match with Yuka Sakasaki. I can't imagine Yuka loses, but if Tatsumi can just give us a great performance, um, it will be like great for her. Uh, I, I hope that she can pull it off because I, I i do like rika tatsumi like she gives me like old school vibes like type of uh gaia girls type of vibes like super old school and and i enjoy her wrestling and and so i'm, I'm happy for her and like her night's not over yet because let's go into the main event of this whole shebang so we were originally promised Hyper Misao versus Super Sasatango Machine. And I'm just going to recount everything that happened because it is a lot to unpack. <laughs> but it started with Hyper Misao coming out before her match. And she said, you know, I debuted in 2015. And ever since I've been living this uh, journey, you know, of discovery and of wrestling and, and you know of and everything and that journey ends tonight and 
I like this is I am announcing my retirement. And I don't know if I missed a post on Twitter or anything, but I didn't know this was her retirement match until this specific announcement. And so just out of nowhere, like this becomes like a huge thing. And and she said she wanted to wrestle someone who she had been hoping to wrestle for the longest time. And it was one of her heroes. And that was Super Sasadango Machine. <laughs> and so Sasadango comes out uh, and he like straight up goes like, oh my God, like we, we don't really know each other. Uh, I'm really honored that you chose me to be your retirement match, but I don't think uh, like I may I may not be like the best person to be your retirement match, but uh, nonetheless I I prepared a a stipulation I guess we can call it uh, for this match you know or or for your for your retirement match and so. He obviously came out with his PowerPoint presentation. He talked about a little like about helping us out and blah, blah, blah. That was the relevant part. But then he introduced the idea of uh, Jamelorette uh, Japan. And Jamelorette is technically uh, retired Lorette, as in the Bachelorette. And so the idea was going to be that a certain group of Tokyo Joshi Pro wrestler uh, wrestlers were going to come out. They were going to to make their case and try to convince Hyper Misao that they were the best opponents for her retirement match. And at the end, uh, Hyper Misao was going to have to choose one and so they could have their, their retirement match. And so this was kind of like uh, divided into certain, into different areas. Like the first was the red carpet which was every participant was going to come out, give something to to Hyper Misao, say some nice words, and and that was it. And the, the participants, I can I can already say it was Miyu Yamashita, Shoko Nakajima, Miyu Watanabe, both Bakurutsu sisters as a team, Rika Natsumi, uh, Tatsumi, sorry. And Super Sasagango Machine himself, and so they've they've all wrestled today. There's no like any preference or anything, uh, but I from all of these participants, the only one that really made uh, I guess like a a point coming out was Rika Tatsumi, who came out and just like straight up slapped uh, Hyper Misao and told her that she. She couldn't retire and that she wasn't going to let Hyper Misao retire. And that was it. Like, I think the Bakurutsu sisters sang a song, Miu Jamashita. Um, I, mean, I don't even remember what she gave. Miu Watanabe made a drawing. Choko Nakajima gave her one of her kaiju dolls. But uh, it was Rika Tatsumi who really, really uh, looked different from everyone else who really like felt like had a an emotional reason to be there, you know. Uh, the next part was I, the date <laughs> aspect of the of the competition, and this was each competitor had to compose a haiku for Hyper Misao, 
and Hyper Missile was going to pick like the the thing that happened here is that she ranked them from from worst to best and the last two were going to be the ones uh, that were going to receive either the match or not like the 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 the, the winner and the runner up like just to put it simple and so uh, I mean, some of them were eliminated for not following the like the five seven five seven seven structure. Uh, some were funny, some were okay, and at the end, the final two came down to Super Sasa Dango Machines, who pretty much said, uh, "You you don't you can only retire once in your life, once without a mask, once without another a mask," because uh, all of Sasa Dango's argument was that he knows about retirements because he has already retired and in order to come back he had to put a, a mask on and the other one was Rikatatsumi who still talked about like I'm not gonna let you retire and so at this point Hyper Misawa like has tears in, his, in her eyes and she chose Rikatatsumi for her retirement match and so we they have the match it was a short match uh, Rika really dominated most of the match she worked over misao's legs for a little bit and then at the end she she pinned rika i mean she pinned uh misao the match wasn't anything special it was like a 2.5 star match um i mean we have to consider that rika had just wrestled so maybe that was the reason that they wanted to keep it short plus the talking was the the main the, like the important thing i guess at this point for hyper misao like for hyper misao is not exactly like a wrestler's wrestler she's not about work rate or anything uh she didn't like for a retirement match um a segment like this a skit or what you want to call it was more appropriate for her than having one of those like legendary matches or the one minute match against the whole roster like this is more adept for Hyper Misao, and I think that's why the match didn't really was given the importance or the time to fully develop anything. It was necessary, and and so after the match, Misao is just in tears. She had a I don't know if it, how much of it was improvised, but she had a good speech. She talked about how. She joined wrestling in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling uh, considerably late in her life. I mean, she was 25. It's like you wouldn't really think that it's late. But if you consider the age that a lot of the Joshis, especially in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, start, uh, she felt that she was like in the older side. And, and to make things worse, like she didn't, she was never like an idol. She was never an athlete or anything like that. She she didn't feel that she had a lot to offer, but I mean, she was she worked hard to to make a name for herself, and and that was what was about for her, you know. And so she last year she was injured, and during that time she really started to think not that she was going to retire because uh, injuries or anything she said that this retirement is something that i planned for a whole year 
but when she started to think about it was because she felt that she wasn't really offering anything to the promotion uh she felt that a lot of people didn't like her style her wrestling her character that they didn't didn't want her in the promotion she felt that she wasn't pretty or she wasn't like an amazing wrestler and she was just like you know like a comedy act for the promotion and so she really really started to feel like uh, she was holding the promotion back. And so at that point, she she started to plan uh, her retirement. She figured by the time Wrestle Princess uh, is done. Well, before that, she started to plan her retirement like for a year in advance. She figured 2020 is going to be the year uh, where she meets a lot of people. She gets to travel because, I mean, Tokyo Yoshi was supposed to come to the U.S. Uh, this year. And she just feared, you know, this is going to be my last year, but I'm going to enjoy it. And then, as we all know, COVID happened. And so all of those hopes went to shit. And, and so, like, she just kind of, like, kept wrestling, kept doing her thing. You know, she still had plans to retire at the end of 2020. And once Wrestle Princess came, she felt like that was the point where she she could call it off because that was like the big show of the year but it, it just happened that during that year i mean during that show she wrestled saki akai in a great match and and she started to really consider and think that she really really la loves wrestling she loves tokyo joshi pro wrestling and she was having a hard time letting go. And, and so she kind of quit quitting. <laughs> and but she said that, like, nonetheless, she really, really thought about retirement today. And she even had uh, prepared to propose to to her, I guess, boyfriend uh, at the show after as, as her retirement. And so she invited uh, his boyfriend. The, uh, his boyfriend is Utashiro-san from the DDT media team. Uh, he's one of the guys who who does like the website and all that stuff. And and he and Misao told like said like, you proposed to me a year ago, and I asked you to wait for me so I could just get wrestling out of my system. And and you waited for me, and so I really really wanted to propose to you tonight as a I guess as a sign to say like I am done with wrestling and so like let's let's continue our lives now as, as a married couple and and so at this point I mean she said like I I love wrestling and I love you and I don't want to I don't want to have to choose between the both of you uh like in a way just saying like I want it all uh, and so like she was torn and at that point I guess like to add I guess maybe a little comedy Super Sasa Dango Machine uh, interfered and said like hey like you cannot just like undo a retirement you like that is punishable by death and and so like uh, he started to I guess bully is the word to say uh, Misao and so Utashiro-san uh, he saved 
Right. Well, he attacked uh, Sasadango with the computer he had on, and and Nutashiro said like, like you don't have to give anything up. I just actually just posted on the website that Hyper Misao will be the first ever married roster member in Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, and and they're they're going to live happily ever after. <laughs> And so, and then at the end, like he once again proposed to to Harper Misao, and like all the girls of the roster were, were going crazy, and everyone celebrated, and it was just like a really really nice heartfelt uh, moment. Uh, I, it was a roller coaster of emotions, like uh, start to finish, because you have like retirements and unretirements, and then marriage proposals, and I I don't know how much of this was planned out or or yeah like planned out obviously you have to imagine that uh the jamiloretto and misao versus dango and rika versus uh, misao was all planned uh i'm i'm guessing obviously to the the unretirement was planned but i do think that to a point the actual retirement was planned up maybe up to wrestle princess because Misao versus Akiakai at Wrestle Princess did, did feel like a big match for Misao as a as a bookend type of match. Going against uh, Sakiakai, who Misao has a lot of history with. And so I wasn't that surprised if it had been the retirement, but then maybe things changed between Wrestle Princess and, and the 20th. And I don't know, like, I really don't know how much of this was planned. Like, the Utashiro's uh, second proposal may have been legit. And and that's about it. I don't know. But uh, I, I think overall, just going from her announcement of the retirement, the Jamelorete and, and everything, I thought it was just like a great, great uh, heartfelt moment for Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. I think this is one of those shows that's going to to stay in, in the promotion's history just for for this particular moment. Um and I mean I've seen many, many wrestling engagements and this one just felt nice. It didn't feel like an angle or anything. <laughs> so it was really, really nice to see. And and I I was I didn't really know much of this when I started watching the show, like I said, I was expecting a hundred percent comedy between Hyper Misao and Super Sasadango. And I ended up just having like this roller coaster of emotions and it was just fantastic. And and then add to that, you have a uh, May Suruga's debuted and you have the, the rise of Rika Tatsumi because I mean, at the end of the show, Rika Tatsumi not only defeated like, four of the top wrestlers in the promotion then he, she arguably retired harping Misao, even though she didn't and is now going to challenge for a title like this was rika tatsumi's night for sure <laughs> and and it was just a great short show uh that i mean honestly i i would recommend go watch it it's a short show like i said like nothing wrestling wise is top notch but everything else that happens in this show was just fantastic it was like so so nice like it's nice to see shows where at the end 
you, you you're not stressed or, or anything like that you're just like you just feel right you just feel good about yourself you know and so that was Tokyo Yoshi Pro Wrestling Style of Love I I don't think they have any big shows left for December they may have like a couple of television shows where they're just going to start building up through January for sure so I don't know how much I'm going to watch of this year I do want to catch up on Stardom and some other promotions so I'll, I'll be staying up to date with Tokyo Joshi just to see what's up there and I can promise that if there is any show worth talking about I am definitely going to watch it and talk about it but that that is going to be it for Japan this week um, we now have to go to the other side of the world not necessarily the ocean but to the United States and we are going to talk about the impact traffic report welcome everyone to impact wrestling november 24th edition of impact wrestling uh this was i'd say it was an okay show i didn't think anything was outstanding the wrestling was okay um but the one thing that i would say that really really exceeded or made me excited about the show was we had a couple of debuts that i was really really uh excited for so from the top we opened with some updates on johnny bravo today is the big wrestlers court day for johnny swinger and hopefully this will be the end of it all um we had a small change in the commentary booth Matt Stryker replaced uh, Madison Rain since Rain was going to be on wrestler's court. So I guess it actually they played it correctly. <laughs> they didn't just have Madison Rain participate on both commentary and wrestler's court. They they it was <laughs> a nice touch. Uh, I would say kudos to them. And on to the the first match. This was the another first round match in the knockouts tag team championship tournament this was kira hogan and tasha steels defeating the sea stars ashley box and delmi exo i was really really excited for the sea stars being part of this tournament and finally making a debut in a big uh, promotion or arguably big <laughs> uh this this wasn't actually Box's first impact. I do believe she did some shows back in 2019, but this was definitely uh, EXO's debut for the promotion. The match wasn't like anything special per se. Uh, it was well wrestled. I think the Sea Stars looked great. I thought I thought uh, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles looked great as they usually do. Uh, the match itself was just your typical uh, Ashley Box got cut off and got worked on, and eventually. She got the hat talk to EXO and they ran well for a little bit, but at the end, um, one of them was taken out of like the ring and out of uh, competition, I guess. And Hogan hit like a swinging neck breaker for the win on box. So that was about it. It was a sh short ish match. Um, I mean, no one really expected C stars to win. We, I think, just all hoped for a good performance to impress. And so hopefully they can uh, come back to the promotion and, and stay here. 
and at this point Hogan and Steels are going to advance and they're going to be facing the winner of the Purazo the Diana Purazo and Kimberly versus Taya and Rosemary match that one match I do expect Taya and Rosemary to win but uh, we'll see and so next up uh, we went backstage and we saw Jordan Grace and Jazz uh, talking about the match that had just happened and so they reveal that Jazz is going to be Jordan Grace's tag team partner for the tournament. Uh, this means, in my opinion, that they're, well, I mean, they're definitely going to win the first match because it's against Killer Kelly and Renee Michelle. And I would give all the titles to Killer Kelly, but I understand that they are barely debuting. And I do expect that Jazz having this like a final run of glory because she she did retire like a couple of months ago and i think she kind of came out of retirement for this uh a lot of retirement talk today and and so i i do expect jazz to go somewhat far in the tournament um like if they win they would be going against the the team of Havok and Nevea, and that's a team that is totally beatable in my opinion. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see Jazz even win the titles. I wouldn't want that, but I wouldn't be surprised just to give Jazz like that one final hurrah uh, before she retires. And I mean, the the woman has this has a legendary career, so this wouldn't be that bad. Uh, Per se, I just don't think it would be good. Um, in not in the long run, but like trying and get like a lengthy reign from her. And I do think the first champions should have like a decent reign. But anyway, we had a a little skit backstage with Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. Apparently, they attacked Doc Gallows, and Gallows is now going to be out for four to six weeks. I don't know where this is coming from. Uh, like, they made it seem that this is a reason. Like, because Alexander complained, like, well, like, if if Gallus is out, that means we can't challenge for the titles until he's back. Which, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But I don't know what's the non kayfabe reason for Gallus to be out. I don't know if, if he is legit injured. I don't know if he is out of the country. I don't know. I mean, obviously, four to six weeks is kind of perfect for him to just come back for hard to kill in January. But I don't know if there's like an other like real life reason why Gallows is out for four to six weeks. I mean, maybe he is injured. I don't know. I hope not. Uh, I, I wouldn't hope that for anyone. Uh, then we had the first segment of Wrestle's Court. Madison Rain is representing Swinger while D'Lo Brown was originally going to represent the boys, uh, kind of like in a district attorney type of position. But then Madison Rain obviously objected that Dreamer couldn't be the judge. And so D'Lo Brown and, and Dreamer just changed positions. And I mean, I guess it is slightly better, but uh, so D'Lo Brown ended up being the judge and, and Dreamer, the, the one representing the boys. And so originally the the argument that Madison Rain made 
for Swinger was that he was way too dumb to carry out any plan that would end with uh, Bravo being shot. And Dreamer brought up that he found a, a gun in, in Swinger's fanny pack. Like at this point, nothing went like further. It was just mostly like an introduction to like who was there, participants. They were about to start calling for witnesses right before they cut off. So there's more to come. Uh, we'll go. We'll go back to that. We had Rohi Raju coming out for another defeat Rohi challenge. Um, it was the usual thing. He cut a promo, just putting himself over because uh, his mom called him some because he shines like one. And the one who came out for the match was Suicide. As we know, Suicide. Um, I mean, not only has he not been performing really good, but last week we saw Scott Damore like hint, hint to TJP that TJP couldn't wrestle, but TJP under a mask, maybe. So both the fa like the audience and Rohit are to believe that TJP is under the mask. But as the match went on, uh, well, I mean, before that, Rohit, since he expected that it was TJP under the mask, he was like, you know what? Let's have this match. But the title is not going to be on the line. And it was like, okay. And so they had the match. Rohit pretty much dominated. He kept going for the mask, uh, which made sense. And at the end, he managed to rip the mask off. And it wasn't TJP. TJP actually walked out to the ramp, distracted Rohi Raju and... It was Crazy Steve who schoolboy rolled up uh, Raju from behind and stole the pin. Um, so at this point, it has been announced that next week we do have Crazy Steve versus Rohi Raju for the title. I thought that this was like, I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I thought that this was uh, a missed opportunity because at this point, like, the match could be Crazy Steve versus Raju, Rahu, and Rohit could say like, no, 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 no. Last week, it was Suicide who was booked. It, like in the in the record books, it says Suicide defeated Rohit Rahu, and so Crazy Steve cannot get a title shot, and that would make sense. And then he would say like, uh, the only person who can get a title shot is Suicide, and then TJP comes out dressed as Suicide. And gets the title. That would be the way that I would do it. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. At this point. It's just Crazy Steve versus Rohit next week. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I really really don't want to see Crazy Steve as a champion. So I really hope right, Rohit finds a way to retain. Next up we had uh, Sammy Callihan pumping up Ken Shamrock for tonight's match. Uh, Ken Shamrock is, is fighting Rich Swan for the title. Uh, Moose approached them. And... I like when a heel antagonizes another heel and I I enjoyed seeing Moose come up to them and say like, hey, I mean, it's unfortunate that it's not going to be me who beats up Rich Swan, but if you win the title tonight, Chamrock, I'm just, just going to remind you what happened the last time that you and I fought and I kicked your ass. And so Chamrock just like went crazy, wanted to fight Moose and Moose was just like, you know, the bigger guy. I love what they're doing right now with Moose. I think, um, like, he's been doing a certain things 
uh, about being like really pompous and putting himself over for the last year. But like now he does start to feel like a bigger deal than guys like Callahan and, and Shamrock, you know? So I, I really, really enjoy how they're positioned in Moose. And, you know, I, I love how, how he just like presents himself, you know, even against other heels. Uh, next up, we had to, you know, Dashwood and Caleb. Um, there it was nothing they were just talking alicia edwards approached him and i thought it, alicia was going to confront tenille about uh being left alone last week but she actually kind of insisted that they keep tagging and so i guess they, they may have another tag match together uh i mean sure whatever i i alicia edwards is not particularly like the best actress but I mean, okay whatever Next up, we had Kimberly with Deanna Prasso defeating the debuting Killer Kelly along with Renee Michelle. Killer Kelly is one of my favorite, favorite wrestlers in the world right now. I've I've always, always loved her presence. Uh, she, I mean, she comes out and she's like a legit badass. And so I'm really, really happy to see her here, even if it's a for, for a short time. Um, the match wasn't much. Um, it was back and forward. Killer Kelly like showed some stuff. Kimberly show has some stuff, and at the end, Kimberly won with a Swanton. I mean, it just made sense. Uh, Killer Kelly is a new, the new members of the roster, so you can't really. I mean, they were not gonna put it over, especially because Kimberly and Diana Parasso, they do have this feud with Su Young. And so they do have to be put over a little bit more, I guess. So it's okay. I, I wasn't taken aback or anything about the, the decision. Um, in my opinion, Killer Kelly looked great. Renee Michelle, uh, she didn't wrestle, but she definitely has a presence. Like she she comes out and, and, and not that she looks like an ass kicker, but she... she her presence like screams superstar. Um, if I was Impact, I would just give these two women money. <laughs> and if I was like any other promotion, I would be like, oh my God, why didn't give these two women money before they did? But anyway, after the match, um, so like, like I said, Lee won. And after the match, Susie came out and, and she said like, hey, you two guys, I mean, uh, Parasso and Lee, you you ladies hurt my friend and and so my friend is not going to hurt you. And they did like a great edit because like Susie turns around to her back and out comes Sue Young. And so like there was like a beatdown and everything. Sue Young made the other two run. But during the whole thing, we had the visual of Susie in the ramp and Sue Young fighting in the ring. And then, like, Su Young goes back to the ring. And, again, like, just another fantastic edit. It was completely seamless. But then Susie turns around and Su Young's gone. And I really, really love that because you don't... Like, that is the type of thing that you could be doing right now in wrestling. Uh, like, this whole thing about taking bumps in, in, in pillows and all that shit. Like, it just looks like shit at the end of the day. I'm sorry. 
but like little seamless edits like these are really really good and you can be taking advantage of them right now so again like kudos to impact for this one uh i thought this was great it's completely irrelevant if you really think about it but i thought it was just like a great great touch uh, i don't know how many people are going to notice it but i, I just loved it uh, next up, we had GM Miller interviewing the Motor City Machine Guns. Alex Shelley announced that he is clear to go, and next week they are going to go after Triple XL, who injured Shelley. They say that they want to go after the North, who originally took the titles, and go after the Good Brothers because they now have the titles. So I'm glad to see the Motor City Machine Guns um, back at it, especially now that the Rascals are gone from Impact. Uh, the Motor City Machine Guns are going to to be that one team, like the spotty exhibition style team that the the tag division needs. So I'm I'm really happy that Shelly came back uh, just in time. Uh, we had a little a small short skit with Rich Swan and Willie Mack. They were just like talking whatever, but then Chris Bay came in and. He tried to get himself into a match with Swan, like for the title. Swan's like not taking it, but then Bay uh, just dropped some like some shade on Mac, calling him a loser. And so both Swan and and, and Mac like got all uppity ups. And so this next week we are going to have Chris Bay versus Willie Mac. Their matches for the exhibition titles were okay. Chris Bay is amazing, so he can pull. A decent match out of Mac, even if Mac sucks. And this is another one. Chris Bay is definitely being built up for Rich Swan. I don't know when and where. Um, don't be surprised if we get Swan versus Chris Bay at Turning Point. You know, but they're they're definitely building him building him up. I th this kind of sucks because I I mean I wouldn't. I don't think Chris Bay should win the title, but I I do want to see a good feud between Swan and Bay. But at the same time, Moose is unstoppable right now. I don't think you should interrupt Moose's path to the title for anything else. So they'll, they'll, we'll see how they do it. I Like I said, like turning point wouldn't be a bad thing for to get Swan versus Bay just to position Bay in that uh, main event type of of scenario and and just keep him like up there for the next couple of months I don't know next up we had uh, so I guess if last week we talked about how Ethan Page was going to have to fight someone of Carl Anderson's choosing and that someone was hinted to be a phenomenal one and so Page was out there and Anderson comes out and he says, like, you know, we have pool, we can we can get whoever we want, we got the money, and so we got a phenomenal one. And AJ Styles old um th theme song started playing and out comes Swoggle dressed as AJ Styles. <laughs> and it's funny because prior to this in, in a couple of months and maybe a year back, Swoggle has had long hair. And I had seen it before that people said, like, you could dress up Swoggle as AJ Styles. <laughs> and and so he came out as the we nominal one. 
and the match wasn't much. Uh, obviously, Paige didn't take him seriously. He kind of kicked his ass for a little bit uh, until Anderson distracted Paige and Swaggle got the schoolboy pay, uh, pin on Paige. Like, Paige was fucking destroyed at the end. He was having a breakdown. I... I don't really know why they did this. Uh, like the stipulation was that if Paige won, he could get a title shot against the the, Nor the Good Brothers. It makes sense that if Gallus is out, that they won't get the title shot. Sure, but then if that is already like an excuse, I don't know why we need another one. Um, they they did play in the match at one point because Paige, when he was in the control, he had a pin. And he decided to break it up to work more on, on Swoggle. So I, they may work a story where Paige's ego and overconfidence lost him a title shot and got him a pin on, like, by Swoggle. I think there is a picture going around Twitter already where Paige is making an argument that he didn't have his, his both shoulders on the mat when Swoggle pinned him. So I think they're going to try to get out of this. I but like I I don't really see what was the, the whole point of doing the 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 rigmarole if you're going to get out of it. Um but I mean if anything else it was fun hearing AJ Styles theme song again. <laughs> That's like the best I guess I can say about this whole uh match. Back at wrestler's court uh Swinger is now being interrogated. Swinger made a case that him and Dreamer have known each other since the ECW days. And as much as Swinger cheats and tricks and everything, Dreamer knows that. Like, Swinger wouldn't shoot someone. And so Dreamer called up Rosemary, who accepted that she never loved Bravo. She just wanted his virgin blood. And perfect timing because Bravo suddenly wakes up and he stumbles into the room and he confronts Rosemary about being used and and says like Bravo says that I know who shot me like I didn't see him but I could smell him and at the end it is revealed that the person who shot Bravo was Larry D's alter ego Lawrence D and he did it out of jealousy and so now I have to explain to you all that for months we've been talking about this bullshit <laughs> and it ended up being just Lawrence D a fucking total waste of time I am sorry I am sorry that I've had to talk about this it was just a waste of time uh, because I don't even see a feud coming out of this uh, like Lawrence D is not a wrestler Larry D has his own thing going on they're not technically like the same the same person at this point, I guess. Of uh, or like they're the same person, but like they don't work in the same. I guess I don't know how to explain it, but like they're they're alter egos. Like they they cannot like Larry, Larry D doesn't have to deal with Lawrence D's uh, stories, and like the only thing we have from here is that. Rosemary, I, I don't know if she's going to be married to Bravo anymore. Bravo, like, I don't know what he's going to do anymore. Uh, I can't imagine he'll back to Taya. I don't know what's going to happen. 
but all of it feels like completely irrelevant, unnecessary. Like if it wasn't for Johnny Swinger, this month long, more than month long story would have been just complete shit. Like bless Johnny Swinger, man. Fuck's sake. <sighs> anyway. Just imagine my face because the next match was Falaba versus Daivari. And at this point, it's like Wrestle's Court followed by Falaba versus Daivari. You gotta be fucking kidding me. But then, like, less than a minute in, Joe Doring, my my beautiful, beautiful Joe Doring, came out with Eric Young and they took them out. Uh, Rhino tried to stop to fight them, but he also was taken out. And at this point, like Eric Young's still doing the cryptic "the world belongs to us" um, promo, but they they saved me from a fallout Bob versus Daivari match, so I'm not going to complain at this point. Um, next up, we just had like a little one minute skit with TJP uh, thanking Crazy Steven Swaggle for the help or for like yeah for the help tonight. Brian Myers walked up and made fun of them all. So I guess we may get TJP versus Brian Myers, which shouldn't be that bad, I guess. Like, I don't see what else you could do from here. Uh, maybe Brian Myers costs Crazy Steve the title next week. I don't know. That would be fantastic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somewhere else backstage. Diana Parasso and Kimberly approached James Mitchell about dealing with Sue Young. And this was interesting. Uh, Mitchell said that he offered help for a price. He didn't go into details, but we know the price is not going to be cheap. Um, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that this whole Sue Young Parasso feud ends. Like I said before, I want Parasso to be like in legit wrestling. And if you have, uh, if you now have Killer Kelly in the promotion, like, eh, you know, Killer Curry versus Parasa would be kind of nice. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see where this goes in the next weeks. Uh, we'll see what the price, quote unquote, is. And, and finally, we got to the main event, which was Rich Swan defending the title against Ken Shamrock. Swan won uh, by Rolla Pin. The. The match itself, it really seemed like Ken Shamrock was just dominant for the most part. I mean, Swan had some spots, but Shamrock was just on top of Swan. Uh, he worked the head, he worked the legs, he worked the arms. Uh, and even at the end, the Swan won with a, with a roll-up on Shamrock. Like he, he reversed an ankle lock into a roll-up and, and went like that. I wasn't a big fan that it felt completely one-sided and almost like a death, like a fluke type of win. Uh, I think Rich Swan should be defeating Ken Shamrock, like no problem. Like he, the the match may be gruesome and everything, but I think Swan should be able to the defeat uh, Shamrock in a one-on-one. -on -one. And after the match, there was a big angle. Well, I wouldn't call it big. It was an angle where. Callahan and, and Swan try to hit uh, Swan with a bat. So Eddie Edwards came out and Callahan tied Edwards to the ropes and then took his eye out again with a bat. 
it this one was uh fortunately worked <laughs> it wasn't a shoot but and so like yeah like at the end it was just like Scott Demore, D'Lo Brown, and a bunch of security trying to stop Callahan and Shamrock from beating up Eddie Edwards, who was like all bloody. And that's where the show ended. Uh, like I said, I didn't really think this was like an outstanding show or anything. Um, the wrestling was okay. Like, it was okay. Uh, but nonetheless, like the show I thought was entertaining. It went by fast. Uh, I was really, really happy to see all the knockout debuts like impact wrestling in my opinion has the best knockout or not knockout like women's division in the country definitely better than aw and we obviously better than ring of honor and they go ahead and add killer kelly and the sea stars and maybe jazz for a while and Rene michelle I, I haven't i can't really tell you that I, i've seen Rene michelle wrestle for so i don't know what she brings but like i said like even just presence wise she she looks like a superstar and so man th that division just keeps getting better and better um but that was it for impact next week we have triple xl versus the motor steam machine guns rohi versus crazy steve killer kelly and remain michelle versus jordan grace and jazz and willie mack versus chris bay so far we are probably gonna get more about um about the whole Bravo situation, and we may get, an, oh, we should get an update about Eddie Edwards, but that's about it. And that is also about it for this episode of WRPX. Uh, it, like I said, it was a short-ish show. Um, I really, really wanted to put focus on that Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling show, and so I decided not to try to pack it in with anything else, but nonetheless, I thought it was, uh, it was a good show to check out and this impact show that it wasn't outstanding. So you don't necessarily need to check it out, but that is going to be it for this week. Uh, it is a week of resting because I am, I'm going to be watching a lot of stardom. I'll try to watch a lot of stardom this week. Uh, so maybe we can get some starting reviews next week. Um, we are slowly heading into the end of the new japan tournaments and so we we will be ready for those but in the meanwhile i do want to check out some stardom right before all these tournaments are going around and because i mean ddt has their tournament all japan has their tournament and so i do want to get some stardom and i may try to get the big japan show that happened last week with daisuke sakimoto and juji okabayashi wrestling um i've heard really really good things about not the show itself but like definitely about the match so i'll i'll see if i can find it to be honest at this point uh i always have trouble finding big japan shows but anyway let's not continue uh Go to iTunes and, and Spotify to find this podcast. Leave a review, five stars, whatever they have to uh, offer. Everything helps to get uh, more listeners to the show. And you can go to DW Revolution on Twitter uh, if you want to hear updates and everything pertaining to the show and to wrestling and the website. The website being TheWrestlingRevolution.com where you can go and read the full recap of the reviews that we talk about on this show and for impact you can go to figure 4w online where 
I do the weekly impact recap for the website. And that is it for right now. We will talk again next week. And until then, goodbye, my friends. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.